It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a man whose story is so Hollywood, it even begins and ends in the Los Angeles area. He's a 1996 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a two-time NCAA champion with the UCLA Bruins, a one-time consensus first-team All-American with those same Bruins. He's a five-time NBA All-Star and a one-time NBA champion with, who else, the Los Angeles Lakers. He is, of course, Mr. Gail Goodrich. Mr. Goodrich, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Kyle. So I'd like to start, if you don't mind, Gail, with with the way that your legend really starts. I I teased it in the open, but this is really a Hollywood fashion story. You're a Los Angeles area guy who gets recruited to play for John Wooden at UCLA, even if you would have rather gone to Southern Cal. You then help lead the team to Wooden's first two national titles. In a career of totally dazzling accomplishments, how do these two championships still rank for you? Um, well, they rank at the very highest level. Um, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I really grew up in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, at the beginning of um, at every season, I think that uh, most players uh, would say that they want to play on a championship team. And uh, if anything, I, I think my legacy uh, is one that, that I would like to have is that I won at every level. I won at the high school level, and then I won at UCLA, and then, of course, I won uh, a championship with, uh, with the Lakers. But at the beginning of every season, you know, a player looks and says, I won a, I won a championship, and uh, you go as far as you can. Now, everybody can do that. Um, so, uh, I think all three of my championships or four of my championships really sort of rank together. I can't rate, um, my UCR championships any higher than I can, um, my professional championships nor, or, or my high school championships, because that was a period of time in my life where those years were, uh, very successful years for our team. And, uh, I think I'm probably the most proud uh, of, of those accomplishments. Gosh, I, I love that perspective. So very often we forget about, we forget to sort of just honor the spots that we're in. And so those high school championships are, do represent the pinnacle and the UCLA championships do represent a pinnacle. And of course the Lakers, a pinnacle. That's a, what a great perspective. Thank you. So, so many books and films have been made about coach Wooden that it's, it's sometimes difficult for us to learn anything new about him, but people like you knew him deeply and, and, and truly. Is there one story or one moment that you could tell us about your relationship with him that, that might teach us a little more about him that we can't get from reading all the books? Well, I think it's, I look back, um, I mean, obviously I was very blessed to have played for uh, Coach Wooden. Um, you know, when I went there as a 17-year-old uh, uh, kid, uh, I knew he would make me a better basketball player, but I didn't realize how much uh, influence and how much of a mentor he would be uh, really for the rest of my life. And I used to visit with him, uh, you know, three or four times a year, uh, certainly when I was in Los Angeles, a few less when I had moved away. But uh, I think that, um, you know, he was a teacher, um, and he really taught, uh, taught us life lessons. Now, I'm not sure we knew that at the time, um, but, you know, putting everything in perspective, uh, he really taught us uh, life lessons uh, that, that we could apply later on in life. 
And I think um, one poem that uh, I thought was really pretty interesting was uh, years after uh, he retired and, and uh, after I, I left UCLA, uh, the uh, New York Athletic Club gave him a lifetime achievement award. And I was living in Connecticut at the time, and Coach Wooden really um, couldn't travel. Uh, so he called me up and he asked me if uh, I would accept uh, this award for him. And of course, uh, I certainly uh, agreed. Uh, and uh, I asked him, I said, is there anybody uh, special that you would like me to thank for the award or anything you, you would like to say that I can then transfer that uh, in the acceptance uh, uh, to talk or speech? And he said to me, he said, no, you'll do fine. <laughs> and, you know, I took that as um, something that... Um, you know, he, he had, in essence, prepared uh, us for is that, you know, to think for ourselves and to be gracious and, and uh, at the same time, uh, you know, make decisions. Um, and I think that's what he was really teaching us, uh, along with, um, obviously, a number of other things. But, uh, you know, that was a, that was something I should have said, you know, that's, uh, that's something that, uh, uh, you know, you make the decision. Uh, you uh, uh, make the thoughts and the, and the, and the thinking, and, and you'll just do fine. Gosh, yeah, and it's it's remarkable. Everyone that I always speak to who has that these relationships with Coach Wooden talk to us about the simplicity of his gentlemanly nature, and I think that's such a great typification of that, isn't it? Well, it, it is. Now, I, I must say that. Certainly, there were times on the basketball court that uh, he <laughs> we thought that maybe he wasn't so kind, uh, you know. But he he was a man that uh, uh, was uh, very much a disciplinarian, very much into preparation, and uh, you know he, he'd get on you uh, from time to time. But it really was the thought of, uh, of uh, making you a, a better player and uh, maybe a better teammate. Um, for the, for, the, for the good of the team. And uh, so, uh, you know, and he had a way of doing that, um, which uh, which he handled uh, or, or communicated with, with people, uh, different players different ways. I mean, he didn't treat everybody the same, but uh, he knew how to motivate and uh, and he knew um, you know, how to uh, to get inside your head so that, you know, you could perform the best uh, you could. Uh, he, you know, he put you in that position. Again, the storybook nature of the Gail Goodrich basketball odyssey continues in 1965 when who else but the Los Angeles Lakers use a territorial draft pick on you, once again keeping you close to home. At this point, 22-year-old Gail Goodrich has to be pinching himself to make sure it's not a dream, right? Well, yes. I think that's probably true. I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles. I mean, the Lakers were a team that I followed when they were in Minneapolis. I was a, a huge Elgin Baylor fan. And now I was in a position, really, to where he's going to be my teammate. Um, but I think that, you know, as you come out of college, and certainly today players come out earlier than than, than I did, uh, you know, as a senior, because uh, the rules have changed. But I think that every player that, that comes into the league, um, you know, they have a love for the game. 
they have a passion to play at the at the highest level. I mean, if you don't, uh, you probably aren't going to be playing in the NBA too long. Um, so I think most players would, uh, while there may be a preference, really, uh, at least I did, I didn't really care where I was going. Hmm. Um, I, I guess maybe that uh, the Lakers were the preferred team because I, you know, I lived in Los Angeles and they were there. Uh, they had just come to Los Angeles uh, in 1960, five years before 1961. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I was just happy to be drafted where I was, uh, to uh, be able to continue my uh, uh, performance on the basketball court at the, at the highest level of the NBA. And now the Lakers season that most people remember, though, is that 71-72 season when, after returning to Los Angeles, you and Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain, lead that team to 33 consecutive wins and an eventual NBA title. Can you recall what made that year so magical? And, and maybe if there was one or two particular moments when you all realized that something truly special was afoot? Well, I, I think that that was a, obviously a tremendous year for us uh, uh, that that year. I think that, you know, that year, you know, Bill Sharman uh, became our coach. Of course, Bill Sharman is in the Hall of Fame both as a coach and as a player. Uh, and he really changed, the, I think, the, the culture of, of the Lakers at that time, changed the way we played. Um, but I, I think that when it was all said and done, I think, I think we were a real team. You know, we had different players, different uh, roles. Um, and, and that team, uh, when we first started out, I think you know, we were six and three. Uh, good, but, you know, nothing really special. And the next time we looked up, we were 39 and three. <laughs> um, and I think over that course of those games, uh, we became a team of confidence. Um, and that confidence build and build and build. Um, and so I think that when we walked out on the court, we just knew we were going to win one way or another. And we had some games we had to come from behind, you know, some, some difficult moments uh, during that streak, in, in, the, in, in particularly in the fourth quarter. But I think we had one overtime game. But we were a team... Uh, where everybody uh, accepted their roles, everybody trusted one another on the court. And um, we just had that tremendous confidence that I think carried over, even after the streak was broke, broken, that um, we, uh, we we just sort of knew we were right on the court, we were going to win. Um, now, we had a couple of real tests. Uh, one, I think, uh, the first game in the finals against the Knicks, uh, where we got beat pretty badly at home. And, uh, you know, that was sort of a wake-up call for us because um, if, even though we won 33 games, if we don't win the championship that year, I think everybody on the team would have been extremely, extremely disappointed. Um, and we got beat real bad by the Knicks in uh, that first game. And then, of course, we bounced back and then won the next four. Uh, but I think that, the, you know, as the team went along for, during the whole year, I mean, we had that 33-game streak. We knew we weren't going to win, win the rest of them all you know, <laughs> I mean, we won a couple of months without losing a game. But um, I think that it was really the, uh, the confidence in, in all of the players coming together, and we really played, I think, uh, as a team. 
Finally, Mr. Goodrich, what does it mean for you to be working with the Basketball Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? Well, you know, it, it, as a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, you know, that's a, an accomplishment that certainly, you know, growing up or even during my career, I, you never really think about uh, such an award. And uh, uh, it's an accomplishment of, of, of a career uh uh, of your whole career uh, and, and you're impacted to the game. Um, and uh, it is a tremendous honor to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I think that, you know, working with the Hall of Fame to the extent that you can help give back to the game and promote the game uh, and the future of the game, I, I think is uh, very gratifying. Uh, you know, I've had a basketball on my hand since probably about five years old. Uh, <laughs> because my dad played and taught me the game early. Uh, but I think that, uh, so if you look back on, on, on your career, um, you say, well, you know, that's probably about the biggest honor you can get is to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And I think, it, again, it's very gratifying to be able to, to give back the game in any way you can. Well, he is a champion at every level, high school, NCAA with the UCLA Bruins, and of course the NBA with the Los Angeles Lakers. He's a 1996 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. He is Gail Goodrich. Mr. Goodrich, thanks again for your time this morning. This has been a true pleasure. Uh, thank you very much, Kyle.